All right, take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 1 tonight. Mark chapter 1. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at the, the very important truth that Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, the, the, the important truth surrounding that as well. And tonight, we're going to look at the arrow that came as the forerunner to Jesus Christ, uh, pointing people to the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And that was, his name was John the Baptist. The Apostle John's Gospel talks and tells, uh, tells us that he was not that light, but that he was sent to bear witness of that light, Jesus Christ. And here in Mark chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, we find several verses specifically dedicated to telling us about the ministry of John the Baptist. And so we'll read those here tonight. Look with me at Mark chapter 1, and we'll read verses 2 through 8. The Bible says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist here, as we read just this simple portion of Scripture, we find that John the Baptist was a perfectly provided arrow to point to Jesus Christ. He had a mission, he had a message, and he had a motivation to his pointing to Jesus Christ. And tonight, as we look at this, I want this to, to be even applied to our lives as the believer's mission, message, and motivation should all be arrows pointing in one direction, the Son of God. They should be pointing. Now, obviously, we're on this side of the cross. We, we get to point back to what he's done. John was pointing to what one day the Savior would do, but we should still, as our life, should be a clear, uh, clean arrow pointing to one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you help us as we look at this passage of Scripture tonight, uh, Lord, about even just the, the prophecy that, that was foretold and, and fulfilled by you, uh, and, and having John the Baptist there as a, as a forerunner to prepare the way for you. Lord, I thank you that every single prophecy in Scripture here was fulfilled, or that there wasn't one left unfulfilled. You were the perfect fulfillment of, of, uh, of that prophecy. And Lord, I thank you again tonight. Even as we thank you this morning, I thank you again tonight that you have saved us, that you have provided that way of salvation. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, there are... There is an estimated 400 million uh, traffic signs in the U.S. alone. And uh, a good percentage, a, a very high percentage, I don't know the exact percentage, different websites say different things, but a very high percentage of those 
have arrows on them. Did you ever notice that? When you're driving down the freeway, there are arrows. When you get off of a freeway exit, there are arrows. And it's a good thing there are, because if there wasn't that curvy arrow telling you uh, about that giant turn, that, that uh, giant loop of a turn coming right off that, that, that uh, exit, uh, you would be in trouble. Uh, we have arrows that tell us which lanes to stay in to get, to get uh, to places we need to go. We have arrows in roundabouts that tell us where to exit, and some people don't listen to those, <laughs> especially here in the Midwest. Uh, have you ever come across an arrow sign that was half covered with snow or something like that, and you really wished that it would have, oh, man, that w I could have turned there. Uh, it's important to have arrows, and God thought so too. He, he provided several arrows throughout Scripture. They were called prophets, and they were all pointing in one, uh, not similar, but they were all pointing in the same direction. They were pointing at the Messiah who would one day come and shed his blood for, for the sin of, of, of all mankind. These prophets were pointing to the coming of the Son of God, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And the prophets also foretold of one who would come before Christ to prepare the way. So we prepare tonight looking at the preacher's mission, the preacher talking about John, John the Baptist here, but the preacher's mission and his mission foretold. Look at verse 2. The very first phrase of verse 2 tells us about how it was foretold. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Those aren't just famous words from a... Uh, a uh, uh, a song called the Messiah uh, that is sung. That's not just uh, famous words there. That is scripture. It is quoting two Old Testament passages together. And you can look them up later if you'd like to. But Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. That's the last, uh, the, the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, many of you know that because we've been singing the Old Testament books. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. And you can look at, at verse 2 of, of Mark chapter 1 there. And I'm going to read the first portion of that verse. Malachi 3.1 says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And then Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make, make, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. These prophecies foretell of the, the ministry of John the Baptist. And Mark teaches us how John was the messenger. He was, he was a messenger of the gospel, but he is not the one that the gospel is about. He, he was preparing the way for Christ. You see that mission foretold, but also the mission fulfilled. Just in the very next verse, in Mark chapter 1, verse 4, we see that John is already fulfilling that mission. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And we'll get, uh, just in just a moment, to talking about what is that baptism of repentance. Is that a baptism with water? No, it's not. We'll get there in just a moment. 
But verse 4 simply tells us that that mission was being fulfilled. No prophecy regarding Christ was left unfulfilled. Praise the Lord. He was perfectly God in in every way. He he fulfilled prophecy. But then verse 4 also begins telling us of another important point. Not just that the preacher, this preacher had a mission that was both foretold and fulfilled, but that this preacher had a message too. And this was a very important message uh, coming uh, to these people. John did baptize, verse 4, in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins." Everything about John's message of repentance uh, took faith to believe. Even though he was, he was on this side of the cross, he was looking forward to what Christ would do, everything that he was preaching, the repentance of sins, saying, you know, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus Christ will provide a way, it took faith to believe that. Us on this side of the cross, we're looking back now on what Jesus Christ has done. It still takes faith. It takes faith to believe that Jesus Christ did it and that it was sufficient for all of my sin. And so he preached the same way I'm preaching tonight, that repentance, the the gospel is repentance for remission of sin. That when he preached that, the first part of his message was not baptism by immersion, baptism in water or anything like that. That was a common day example before even this it was baptism in that day was very commonly known as identification with what you believe. Identification with a teaching or a person, uh, a, a message that was being told. And that message was not be baptized in water for the, for the remission of sins. No, what was he teaching? It says in verse 4, and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. I must change my mind about what I believe, change my attitude really about what I believe, that my dependence is not on myself, but my dependence is now wholly on Jesus. And once that takes place, you notice what was the, what was the, uh, the outward showing of that repentance. They were confessing their sins. They were saying, God, I, 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 Lord, this is, Lord, free me of this. Lord, I, I confess this to you. His first main portion of his message was repent. In Matthew chapter 3, it also gives this parallel account of John preaching the gospel. And there the Bible says that he, he said, Repent ye, for the kingdom is at hand. And different places in the Bible, is, we, we have several verses throughout the Bible, several verses in context that tell us that baptism does not save us from our sins. So I'm not going to argue that, that point here tonight. I, I'm, I'm trusting that we all understand that. But he's teaching here that they need to repent if they're going to see the kingdom of God. They're, they need to repent. The, the message, the preacher's message that God called him to pave the way before Jesus would preach it himself, by the way, was preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. The second part then was this, again, 
the word picture of the baptism of repentance, the second part was to actually be baptized in water, to be identified with Jesus Christ, to be identified with Christ and what he was coming to do. For us today, baptism is a looking back. It's an outward declaration of a decision we've made to trust Christ about what he's already done for us. That's the, that's the difference. But this was the preacher's message, and it, had, it was a straight arrow pointing to one that would come, the Lamb. The third thing here that we see in this passage then, we see the, the, preacher's, uh, the preacher's mission, the preacher's message, but also the preacher's motivation. The motivation. Look at verse 6. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Why do you think the Lord gives us all those details? Have you ever stopped to think about that? The Lord just want us to know what he looked like? Maybe. In those days, there were other sects of, of people that, that claimed uh, uh, to serve God, but that were wearing you know very fancy stuff that, that uh, they thought that they needed to do certain things like that uh, to obey the law to, to be saved. And uh, John was like, no, I'm standing apart from that. I, I'm, that there's, there, God gives us this that, that he did. Uh, do you realize that his motivation was not riches or fame? Nothing about that in verse 6 speaks of someone who was rich or looking for fame. That was not the preacher's motivation. And it shouldn't be our motivation as believers either. That's not what we should be looking for. Look at verse 7. And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. We'll get to verse 8 in just a moment. But his motivation was that one mightier than him was coming. His presence was going to be there. There was going to be a day. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think he knew the time or the hour that Jesus would come down through the crowd and come down and be baptized of him. I don't think he, maybe he did, but I, don't, I, think, I think he knew that there was, he knew his mission. He knew what God had, had told him to do. He knew that this motivation was that one mightier than him was coming. One, the, the one that was coming, the latchet of whose shoes he was not even worthy to unloose. I just want you to think about that for a second. The one who stoops down and unlooses the shoes off of the master is, that's the place of the servant. And he's saying, I'm not even worthy to be your slave. I'm not even worthy to be your servant. I want you to understand the humility and, and the, the, the humble spirit of John here, of what he's saying. I'm not even worthy to be that. One's coming of whom I'm, I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. One who is coming who would accomplish the plan of salvation. And, send, and then go back to heaven and send the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us. Look at verse 8. I indeed have baptized you with water. You've, you've, understood, you've, you've understood the truth of the gospel of, of repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus. 
I've now baptized you with water, but he's coming to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. There's one that's coming that, that has dwelt with us, but now will dwell in us. And John 14 teaches us that truth. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples. In John chapter 14, he says in verses 16 through 20, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am, I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. John the Baptist was that perfect arrow that God sent, uh, fulfilled all of prophecy that was pointing to the Son of God. But I want to submit to you tonight that the believer also has a mission, a message, and a motivation uh, to, to, that we should be arrows, all of those should be arrows pointing to the Son of God for others to see. If you're still in Mark chapter 1, you need only look back one page and you find Matthew chapter 28. And possibly you don't even have to turn a page, it's right there for you. The end of Matthew chapter 28 is what we call the Great Commission. And Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 20, I read this a couple weeks ago, but I'll read it again here tonight. I want you to try to find, really, the believer's mission, the believer's message, and the believer's motivation in this. And, and we'll, we'll come to that in just a moment. But verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What is the believer's mission? Go. <laughs> it's very simple. It's go. What is the believer's message? The gospel. Teach all nations. What are we to teach them? Repent and believe the gospel. Baptizing them, not because it saves them, but because they're identifying with Jesus Christ. And then teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Disciple them. As you have learned to follow Jesus Christ, you disciple them to follow Jesus Christ. None of you are at all, uh, none of you here today do not have that commission. None of you here today are so ill-equipped that you cannot lead someone else to Jesus Christ or cannot disciple someone else to learn to love him and to observe the Bible and, and what he, he tells us and, and his commands to us. That's the, the believer's message, message is simply the good news of the gospel and, and really seeing that all the way through and, and, and following what God has told us to do. What is the believer's motivation then? There's two things that should be our daily motivation, two things that should wake us up. One is found in verse 18 and one is found in verse 20. Verse 18, God says, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And we're in Christ. 
even as we're learning in the book of Colossians, we are rooted in him, which means we have all of that divine power, his power flowing through us. When we're submitted to him, that is him giving the gospel. And when he does it, he, he does it way better than I do it. That is, that is him working through me. We have his power. And then verse 20, you have his presence. You have his, you have the power and the presence of God that, that can work through you. May we here tonight allow God to impact us in such a way and, and really change things in our lives so that we are those clear, crystal clear arrows pointing to Jesus Christ. Not that we have some snow covering part of our arrow or different things blurring the vision of those that come around us. Would we be those clear arrows saying, hey, turn here. (laughs) The Lamb of God is over here so that people can come to know what he's done for us.